0: Start On On Demand. Do you use food delivery services like Skip the Dishes or Uber Eats? There's a new kid in town, DoorDash, looking to add more competition to our quickly changing restaurant industry. The province is pushing for more private liquor sales, is that a good thing? The union representing Liquor Mart workers says, no way. One of our favorite guests of all time joined us today to talk about the financial fails to avoid this spring, including spending your tax refund before you get it. I admit on that one, I am guilty as charged. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren Mcnab. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Wednesday, May 1st podcast for The Start. Make sure you follow us on Twitter because we put up the poll, which was the question of the day as well, at CJOB.com. Brought to you by CreditAid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit CreditAid.ca, call 204-987-6890. How often do you use delivery services like Skip the Dishes, Uber Eats, and now DoorDash? So far, the early results, once every few months, 21%. Monthly, Zero so far. Weekly, zero so far. 79% say never. I have mm. a feeling that's going to change as the day moves along.
1: And I've just retweeted that on my personal Twitter as well, GMACWPG, if you'd like to follow me there. And uh, it looks as though things are starting to change already on the Twitter poll.
2: Well, different audiences in different places too for those Correct. polls. And also I think that, you know, there is for sure, I think they found in a number of studies the millennials are the most Prone to ordering out now, and that they're helping to change the face of food and food delivery in this country, and probably right across the world, just because of the desire now maybe to cook less or have more convenience or just try all these different foods. All well, the there's time.
1: a lot of lifestyle changes that are going into this, as far as I can tell. Uh, you know, uh, you talk about uh, Vancouver. We were uh, mentioning this. You, you can buy a condo in Vancouver for both you know, $350,000, but it's about 350 square feet. So there's not a lot of space. So people eat out more. A lot of people that live in major metropolitan areas in the downtown, they don't have a car. So the way people are eating is changing dramatically.
0: Well, DoorDash is the latest food delivery service that can bring the restaurant to you, launching in Winnipeg. And on the line with us, we have from DoorDash... Brent Seals joining us live on 680 CJOB. Mr. Seals, good morning to you, sir. Good
3: morning. How's it going?
0: Doing very well. Thank you very much for joining us. So DoorDash, what what is different about DoorDash compared to the other services that are already available in this market?
3: Yeah, you, you know, we're we're really excited to be in Winnipeg and I think you know, what customers are going to love is they're going to see all of the restaurants and the selection that we have available uh, for them to order from places like New Burger, Underdogs, and King of Banatine, as well as hundreds of others. We have over 300 restaurants available uh, on the platform, and, and you know we're launching today on, uh, at 11 a.m.
2: How do you find that there is room in the industry for another service and in terms of what might be out there? Are you hearing from restaurants that they want other options or different pricing? Or is it just because there's that many people now that want to get into this game?
3: Yeah, I I think that, you know, when we when we look at all sides of our business, our restaurants, our customers and our dashers, we really see a great opportunity for us in Winnipeg. uh, You know, we've had a great reception from restaurants in the area who are excited to be working with DoorDash. And so we really think there's a a big opportunity for us.
1: You're coming right into the backyard, the kitchen, so Mm -hmm. to speak, of Skip the Dishes head office here in Winnipeg. So there's going to be some brand loyalty you're going to have to overcome. What's your what's your strategy to do that?
3: Yeah, our, our strategy, I think, is just, just to be able to provide the, the best services possible. Uh, you know, for our customers, like I said, we want to have the best restaurant selection available, uh, and for the, the merchants available on the platform, being able to uh, support them and to help them grow their business, and also offering uh, a number of products and services that they really think they're going to love is, is how we think we're going to uh, you know make our mark in Winnipeg.
0: You mentioned 300 restaurants. Is that more restaurants than the other providers, like Skip the Dishes, Uber Eats, and also uh, there's another one called Delivery eats do you have the most
3: um i can't speak to that but what i can say is you know that kind of varying depending on where the customer uh, lives or is located they can enter their address onto doordash.com or our app and and see what restaurants that we have available uh, at their location
1: Why is this becoming such a popular trend? Why are we seeing so many people order food uh, from restaurants? We've discussed the whole idea that obviously these food services and delivery services are opening up a, a wide variety of restaurants, whereas in the past it was, you know, Kentucky fried chicken, pizza and Chinese food that you basically got delivered at home. Now you can get whatever you want. What is fueling that?
3: Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. Uh, for, for customers, I think they just love the, the added convenience of getting being able to get their favorite restaurants, uh, you know, delivered to them. And, and for restaurants, it's allowed them to you know reach more customers, increase their revenue, you know, expand their reach within a city. Uh, so I think there's a lot of things that have really uh, helped to see, you know, delivery explode.
2: You mentioned 300 restaurants already signing up. What does that mean for jobs for folks who will be with your service? How many are you hired already or expecting to hire?
3: Yes yeah, so um our our dashers um are uh, all independent contractors and so they they really enjoy being able to work on the platform uh to uh, you know, schedule their own time and enjoy the flexible work opportunities that, that we provide. Uh, so, you know, although I can't comment on the exact number, uh, we are always looking to onboard new drivers.
0: Manitoba Restaurant and Food Services Association uh, sent out a letter to its members advising them and telling them, suggesting that uh, DoorDash is a viable alternative to skip the dishes. Uh, is it important? There, what was your reaction, I guess, to you, to your organization to find out that the association basically gave you guys the thumbs up?
3: Yeah, we were really excited to be able to partner with the Manitoba Restaurant Association as we wanted to make sure that we were thoughtful in how we were connecting with merchants throughout Winnipeg. Uh, And I think that is, you know, across the board for all three sides of our business, especially, you know, on the customer side, uh, you know, one thing in order to make sure that Ah, uh, customers are able to, to try out DoorDash and and you know have a great experience. Is that we're offering uh, a program called Thirty or Thirty, which is basically we want customers to try us out. We're confident in our operations, and so if their order isn't delivered in thirty minutes or less, we will refund them the cost of their order up to thirty dollars. So that you know, the Manitoba Restaurant Association, just a number of ways where we've really been thoughtful about our approach to the market.
0: Who would cover that cost entirely, DoorDash, or would the restaurant uh, be required to pay some of that? Uh, DoorDash. Okay, and uh, another question as well. Uh, skip the dishes. There have been some complaints against Skip the Dishes from some some of the restaurants. Uh, whether it's it has to do with delivery time or food delivery being delivered properly or uh, other thing things involving fees. Uh, so, what do you, what does DoorDash do to ensure that this that similar issues are not repeated?
3: Yeah, you know, so we are, like, like I was stressing earlier with our 30 for 30, we're very confident in um, our, our quality and our ability to provide a great service. And I think, uh, you know, we've, we've seen that as we've continued to expand throughout Canada. It's a big part of why we're excited to be in Winnipeg and in, you know, in 100 cities by the end of the year. Um, and, and I think it's just like working very closely with our partner restaurants to make sure that it is truly a partnership. All right.
0: Brent Seals joining us from DoorDash, which launches in Winnipeg as of eleven o'clock today. Thank you so much for the time. We appreciate it.
3: Thanks for having me.
0: I'll give this a shot. Why not? I mean Why wouldn't I wouldn't. I've used skip the dishes. And one of the cool things about these apps too is you don't it doesn't have to be delivery. Like if you have yeah. a restaurant in your neighborhood, you can order for pickup. Sure. And Skip uh, the
2: Dishes told us yesterday they didn't want to come on camera, but they said, you know what, competition's not a bad thing. Yeah. That can help with everybody's pickup their game, if if so to speak.
0: Yeah, and it gives because not every restaurant is on every platform. So right. uh, Uber Eats as a restaurant, I like. DoorDash might have stuff that Skip and Uber doesn't. So yeah, this is cool, and and it also introduces you to restaurants you maybe didn't know existed. That's, 100%. that's why I,
2: I get so on board with it because so so often you're at home and you end up with the. And I love pizza. Don't get me wrong, I can do that five times a week, but it's pizza or it's Chinese. It's the same sort of things, right? Yeah. And to broaden out, it's nice. Competition makes you up the game and makes you bring your A game every single time, and and I think
1: that's the biggest benefit to consumers that we're going to see but who's bringing
2: me pasta in the morning
1: i'm surprised you haven't been inundated by emails like just
2: tons of pasta dishes well, yeah I'm i want surprised an 8 45 a.m pasta that's all i'm looking for man
0: Right now we want to resume coverage of one of our top stories, which has to do with the headline, Manitoba government eyeing more private liquor sales, fewer subsidies.
2: This goes to those mandate letters we were talking about. The province sends out letters to crown corporations in different parts uh departments every single year basically saying this is what we think you guys should be looking at. And then the letter sent to the liquor stores yesterday to MLCC or MBLL, I guess it's called now, it suggested that it should start engaging with the private sector to identify opportunities for increased participation in the liquor retail and distribution sectors. It also included a line about pot- potential staff reductions in all crown corporations. And so there's lots of questions we have this morning for both the people in charge of these crown corporations and the people who are concerned for the employees of those corporations. And for more on that, we're joined by Michelle Goronsky, president of MGEU. Good morning, Michelle.
4: Good morning, everyone.
2: So is there a big concern? What What would be the big deal, so to speak, if we went to push for more privatization of liquor?
4: Well, yes, it is both concerning and disappointing to see this government looking at even more privatization, You know, especially when they told Manitobans during their election campaign that they were going to for- focus on keeping public services public. You know, All research has shown that the public liquor system works the best, and we need to keep that system. Manitobans deserve that. It is the most socially responsible when it comes to ensuring alcohol doesn't end up in the hands of minors or those that are already intoxicated and as well a bigger one, the revenue generated from the sale is invested back into public services like healthcare and education. If that revenue starts to go into private pockets, What's going to happen to those services? Where is the funding going to come from to keep those services? Or are we going to start losing more? Are There going to be more cuts to those services.
1: Michelle, I'm on record to say I'm a big fan of the liquor marts and how they operate. I think they're outstanding retail establishments. But the privates are excellent as well. And let me just pose it to you this way. We've been talking about Skip the Dishes and other opportunities, other companies that deliver food. And I used to be a restaurant operator, and I see that as an opportunity for restaurants as do they, to sell more product and and to make more money, the, Manit- the province of Manitoba and, and the Liquor Commission is still going to be the wholesaler of that pro- product, and they're still going to be making profit on that product and potentially selling more of it because of how it's sold. Could there not be a benefit here? Could there not be a hybrid system that's successful?
4: It's been shown that privatizing more liquor stores would be a step in the wrong direction. You know, right now, all of the profit made from liquor goes back into health care and education, and that's where it needs to continue to go. We need a government that's going to focus on public safety and generating funds to invest in public services, and that means keeping our liquor public. Invest in Manitobans, build jobs that build our economy, and keep our liquor liquor public.
1: i, I got to challenge you on the assertion with regards to keeping the liquor out of the hands of miners. Why do you feel that that the liquor stores the liquor marts owned by the province do a better job of that than the privates
4: our liquor store employees are trained and knowledgeable uh, you know not only about the products that they serve but they're also trained and knowledgeable in recognizing where there could be a problem they know that they you know they must Um, card people when they come in they make sure that people are safe around them you know and uh, that is we know for sure that the public system definitely there's a responsibility and there is an accountability for it and you know who's going to be accountable if it's not in the public system
0: Mm. Michelle our question of the day at cjob.com is asking do you think we should privatize liquor sales in Manitoba and so far 42% say yes while a uh, very cl- right behind at 41% a bit of both keep parts of it public but increase the amount of private retailers what do you say to those who have voted yes who want to see private liquor sales in Manitoba because clearly there's a will or there's a there's a desire to see that in
4: Manitoba I would actually challenge them to contact the government, find out exactly what the profit margin is Well, it is when it is kept public, and then ask the government how we're going to keep our public services, such as healthcare care and education, keep those services going. We know what's happened to our health care system in Manitoba. You know, you don't have to go too far to talk to any Manitoba that is concerned about their health care and where are they going to get it. And if funds for that dry up even further, what is going to happen to our public system. And I would challenge and I would ask those Manitobans, contact your MLAs, find out the actual facts on what this means for them.
1: The mandate that came down to all these different departments and, and crown corporations, Michelle, seems to be for them to make more money, find a way to make us more money. Why do you think that they would be instead, in terms of liquor sales, trying to make less money? That 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 doesn't compute in terms of what their stated goals are here. They're, they're looking to make more profits, not less.
4: Well, and that's going to be my question to the minister. I'm going to be writing to her today to find out exactly what, you know, where what's exactly they're, they're planning here and what's going to happen. And I'm going to share with her not only my concerns, not only our members' concerns, but the concerns for Manitobans on what happens to the other systems that rely on this public liquor system to be able to make sure that they're there for us. So it's a good question, and I will be asking the minister today.
0: Michelle Goronsky with MGEU, joining us live in 680 CJOB. Michelle, thank you for the time, as always.
4: Thank you so much. Be safe, everyone out there.
0: And we mentioned the question of the day at CJOB.com. It's brought to you by Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. And you guys remember earlier when we mentioned it about an hour and a half ago, it was, I think, 46% said yes, Mm -hmm. and it was 37% say a bit of both. So now that gap has uh, shortened almost a dead heat on those two. Interesting. Yeah, and 17% simply say
2: no. Maybe they're being swayed by Greg.
0: Could be the G Mac. He's the talk idol, the reigning talk idol. So he's got influence. I'm saying
1: nothing else. <laughs> uh,
2: I don't know. I think I think there's both, like you know, there's a presentation there of arguments that is maybe a hybrid solution, and it's got people thinking.
0: There's a headline to an article that we've linked to our 680 CJOB Instagram story uh, from a website called quartzy The headline is, Beyond Meat and Impossible Foods Burgers Could Change the Way We Think about masculinity, and I'm not going to go into the details of the article, but it, I am curious about the conversation. First of all, I'll just go around the table. Have, has anybody here tried this Beyond Meat stuff yet? Nope. No. I hate to admit nope. I have
1: not. Uh, you hate
0: to admit you have
1: not? Yeah, because I, I should be more open to it, and I'm, I'm just not. Have you been presented with it and said no thanks? No, I have not. Well, I just haven't know. gone out of then my way, way to try it. I've been It's not in... your fault, Craig. Thank you, Jeff. It's not your fault. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. <laughs> it's not your fault, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> in establishments that offer it, so I, I've glanced over. I know you've tried it and you think it's amazing. Yeah, it's. Uh, I
0: when I have it, I can't believe that I'm not eating meat. I've tried the the meat. Uh, the burger, I went to the Half Moon in Lockport, because we talked to mm-hmm. Half Moon last year. They were one of the first places to get their hands on it. I've tried the AW burger with the Beyond Meat, and uh, I've also tried Beyond Meat chicken and sausage. And every time I take a bite of this stuff, I just think like, how is this, how are they doing this? This is made of a plant. That's what I'd like to know. So it's good. It's very good. Yeah. So like if you were... To give me uh, the option, do you want Beyond Meat or regular meat? I don't know that I would care. If, 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 let's say, I went to a barbecue and and all of the the beef burgers got scooped up before Mm -hmm. I got there and all that was left was Beyond Meat, I wouldn't be sad. Whereas before I might have thought, well, I have don't you really want it. ever had a,
2: like a veggie dog, which I know is not beyond meat, but in a real hot dog, like there is, like you would be like, wait a minute, I'm, I'm eating something different. So if you're telling me that I wouldn't notice the difference and or I might like it better, then I think that's great. Yeah,
0: it was, the sausage does taste a little different. Yeah. But another part of the argument, too, that, I, that I've encountered with a lot of guys is there is almost this instinctive urge to just be, no, I want meat. Give me meat, give me a club to, to bash someone over the head with. So I don't know. I mean, I've, obviously, that's, I'm generalizing there, but Kelly Moore, would you try a Beyond Meat burger? Uh, I,
5: I doubt it. I, I just, I'm a meat eater. I like, I enjoy barbecuing, I enjoy red meat, and if it sends me to my grave early, I'm prepared to live with those consequences. <laughs> but not
2: because you're a man.
5: No, it has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with preference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all that it is. But yeah. but until you try it.
0: And no yeah. one's saying, no one's saying You're, stop you're stop asking me and
5: I'm giving you an answer. No, so, okay, yeah, and, now yeah. I'm,
0: and now I'm countering. Yeah. Why, you, you, it sounds like you're you're simply closed to the idea of trying it. Like, would you just not not? I'm not saying would you am, try it to replace meat.
5: I am. I, I prefer to eat food that I prefer. But
0: you, how do you know? Yeah. You've never had it.
5: Well, that's uh, if you if you snuck it in there and I ate it and I thought, okay, that's great, that's fine. I, I it's not that I wouldn't eat it, Brett. It's just that I will continue to eat the food that I prefer. Mm. Okay. Yeah.
0: Kelly's getting mad. Jeff no, Braun, I'm not what about getting you? mad. I'm just,
5: I'm trying to explain the answer to my question. I didn't give you the answer maybe you wanted, but I, it, it no, just it's not, not that I didn't want,
0: it's not no. like that you didn't give me the answer I wanted. It's just I'm it not going to go to the
5: grocery store and buy Beyond Meat, and we don't, and we hardly ever eat out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're, 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 we're people that eat at home probably six to seven nights a week.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Jeff Braun. I will eat whatever's cheapest. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, in that case, I will the, eat
1: the Sawdust Burger you <laughs> <laughs> put enough barbecue the, sauce on it today here's a so proposition I was say. for you yeah, okay you like uh a yes you like uh the fries uh sure gravy i don't get gravy but yeah. oh you're not a gravy guy yeah, that's yeah. right uh, i'm thinking i might be prepared to try the beyond meat burger as long as i could dip it in that great gravy that you can get for the fries well, well, the just to try it the <laughs> big
2: for me is that it's not um, that I, like I actually will crave meat like there'll become a point in say the week or month where I'll think like I need I want a hamburger or I want a steak and I feel like some, I don't know if that's a psychological thing or if like my blood levels my iron is low and you're like yeah. feed me the iron so do you get the same impact same cravings. Th- uh, the same result. Like I feel better when I ha- when I oh, feel low on the meat, and then I have my meat, I feel better. So if I go for this Beyond Meat burger, am I still going to be like, oh yeah, like blood levels restored or whatever is, <laughs> no. because it doesn't have the same properties to it.
1: It's like that thing whatever powers Iron Man's heart when that roll, runs low on power and you have to replace yes, the cell. It's a steak. Same thing. Will yeah. have the yeah. same effect. It has to have a steak. It probably in your head it would. Correct. D- it would, you think it would, so? Yeah, it would do the thing, and then you probably just feel better because it's not a bunch of red meat red, rot yeah. in your gut. But.
0: Yeah. 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 Like if, if if the 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 taste and the, the the grease, for example, from a burger, if that's what you're after, like you know, we when we went to uh, out for lunch, I can't remember where, but we all I think had burgers, and they were big, juicy, savory burgers, and it's hard. The Beyond Meat doesn't quite recapture that, but. If you were to hand me the Beyond Meat burger from A&W and not tell me it wasn't meat, I would probably just think it was a teen burger. Uh, so I've been I'm just I've been a little surprised by it. And we're getting some feedback uh, at 204-780-6868. <laughs> Trish says I've had the Beyond Meat burger from A&W. I liked it and I found it more filling as well. I had my husband try it and he thought it was good and my brother-in-law loved it too. So we'd be curious to know if you've tried it what'd you think of it? 204-780-6868 The sausage, like I said, tasted yeah. kind of weird mm-hmm. but it still
1: tasted like sausage. But this text a- message will uh, fill uh, Kelly's uh, tummy <laughs> nicely Morning folks, as a food producer, if you need to dress something up to taste like something else think there might be a problem? Right. Just saying
2: I don't like meat but I want this to taste like meat.
0: Got a couple of minutes here. Just wanted to quickly revisit the Beyond Meat conversation. I first wanted to to say, in case anybody was taking what I was saying as, you should stop eating meat and switch to Beyond Meat. No, that's not what I'm saying. We were talking at 645 about how Beyond Meat is challenging masculinity. Some people, you know, there's some people I think simply might not eat it. Because I'm a man and I eat meat. And I've talked to guys like that who simply just will not try it, even if it's presented to them where they're not having to pay for it. They just, no, it's not meat. I don't want it. And hey, that's fine if you don't want to. Like, no one's trying to force you to eat it. We got one text message, for example, from somebody who says, as a food producer, if you need to dress something up to taste like something else, there might be a problem. Well, here's the counter to that. And and I and I come, I, full disclaimer, I have a girlfriend who is a vegetarian, or uh, as she jokingly says, a con-vegan. She's vegan when it's convenient, <laughs> uh, but she still likes cheese, so it often, often ends up going vegetarian. But just because you don't eat meat for your ethical beliefs doesn't mean you don't miss the taste. Can't tell you, whenever, every time we go out and I have a steak... She sits there and says, oh, that looks good. So the Beyond Meat stuff where the, it's plant-based food that is dressed up like meat and meant to taste like meat gives vegetarians and vegans more options for tasty meals because their options are often limited. Sometimes you go to a restaurant and there might be one, two options for vegetarians. Uh, we're getting a lot of t- texts like uh, what someone, Gary says, good morning, I'm with Kelly Moore, go meat. And uh, flip side... Roxanne says, good morning. I am a definite meat eater. I love my steaks and burgers. I've tried the a and Beyond Meat burger skeptically and was really impressed. I wouldn't have known it wasn't meat. I'll likely have one again sometime. So you can continue to weigh in on that, 204-780-6868. I'm with Roxanne as well. Like, I'm, I'm a meat eater, but if the Beyond Meat is the only option, I'm not going to be sad that it's not real meat. We got an interesting text from Kevin the Garbage Man relating to cardboard and the town cinema.
1: Yeah, he says that he's been picking up cardboard there as part of his route for a while now, and he used to go there once a week. Now, with Avengers Mm -hmm. playing in that theater, he has to go there every single day.
2: Well, so much... So many people, so much garbage, I'm guessing.
1: Yeah, Yeah, it's uh, fascinating. And we were talking about the fact that some investors that like to invest in the retail sector will watch the cardboard industry as an indicator as to the health of the retail sector. Wow. Because if you're selling boxes to put stuff in and ship stuff in, it means you're selling things and you're anticipating selling things. So uh, cardboard is a fascinating part of our economy. It measures a lot of things that you might not have otherwise... uh, Uh, Well, a lot of people going to see Avengers right now, of course.
0: It's set to continue to just smash and obliterate records. But
1: on that movie ticket is something that I certainly didn't know was there. Well, who would have imagined that maybe the city's making more money? With the Avenger. It's a simple receipt for a movie and it shows a $1 municipal tax on your movie ticket. This from Julie Buckingham and Richard Kluche. They reached out to the city to clarify who collects what and ultimately who gets what they collect back. It's called the entertainment tax. The city collects this on all venues with 5,000 seats or over and movie theaters. Kelly Shields is the city of Winnipeg assessor. The example
6: that you showed us was was the 10% of the ticket price for a cinema, but it also applies to any entertainment facilities that are over 5,000 seats and over a $5 admission price. It's applied to all cinemas. Currently, there are three major cinemas in the city of Winnipeg, Landmark, Cineplex, and Famous Players, and then the three sports entertainment facilities in the city of Winnipeg.
2: So. In total, how much is collected?
6: Through the movie theaters, we collect just over $2 million. So last year, in 2018, we collected approximately $2.1
1: million from theater tickets, from movie theater tickets. Now, I knew about the tax Mm -hmm. for Winnipeg Gold Eyes, Jets, and Bomber games, and I imagine it applies to Valor FC as well. But I had no idea that this was applicable on movie theaters. The... Entertainment tax has been around in Winnipeg for a long long time. It's gone through uh, variations and uh, different uh, renditions of the of the uh, actual of the actual legislation that rules it and what gets collected and what gets paid. How much money is collected in those other three venues you might be wondering. Overall,
6: we collected uh, from the three sports venues. We collected about two hundred fifty thousand from the baseball park, the arena, nine point eight million, and the Winnipeg Football Club around nine hundred sixty thousand.
1: Now, there's a difference here. The movie theater money stays with the city. The taxes from the stadium, arena, and baseball park are refunded back to the owners. Yeah, that's what it appears
7: to be, and it's it's really frustrating. It's hard to think of any particular rationale for this. Why should uh, folks who uh, want to go see Avengers or whatever, get nailed with an, an extra expense, uh, an extra tax, for no apparent reason. Uh, it's, it's really frustrating. It seems to be a, a simply a cash grab, and uh, yet another way that uh, the city is reaching the pockets of, uh, of taxpayers.
3: You've done some research. Is this uh, collected in this way anywhere else in Canada?
7: You know, honestly, it's pretty rare. Uh, Saskatoon used to do it, uh, but really doesn't do it anymore. They've got a few uh, a few events that they, they make these charges on. Regina uh, actually does uh, continue to do it. And uh, they've got an interesting kind of kickback going as well, where 1% is a 10% tax, but 1% goes back to the movie theaters. So they end up benefiting from the tax that they're apparently passing on to uh, taxpayers. But other than that, uh, just about nobody else in Canada seems to be doing it. And uh, even uh, when you look into the uh, to the American perspective, it's uh, it's pretty rare. This is an outdated tax; it definitely needs to go. So, so that- sorry,
2: just the taxes collected. Yep, it goes it, it it goes to the city if it's the movie industry. Correct. But if it's the sporting industry or at least the bombers and the, the jets and the gold eyes, it stays with the team.
1: Correct. That was the voice of Todd McKay, by the way, Canadian Taxpayers Federation, on with Richard and Julie on the news yesterday afternoon. So this is essentially turned into a movie tax. It does not cover the concert hall or other venues because they have fewer than 5,000 seats. The second part of the tax, as you heard from the city, is the amount that gets returned to the three major sporting facilities, as you said, Lorraine and the city and the teams which operate them. McKay has his view on that.
7: Well, so I see two really big problems for that. First of all, you want to support your team. You're, you, I mean, you want to support the Jets and the Bombers and everybody, but you should support them as a fan, not as a taxpayer. So you choose to go to the game, you choose to, to buy those tickets, and you support the team uh, as a result. You shouldn't have to do it as a taxpayer. If there's somebody who uh, isn't a sports fan or can't afford it, uh, they shouldn't be the ones on the hook for it. But in this case, and actually I was learning as I was listening here as well, there's something, a really dirty thing happening here in terms of accountability is presented to people buying uh, tickets as a tax, but really the money's just going back to the team. That should just be in the price of the ticket. That shouldn't be a tax. That's unaccountable, and it's not transparent,
1: and that needs to change. So the entertainment tax seems to me was a way forward. Do you remember Winnipeg oh Enterprises God. back in the day? <laughs> <laughs> we yeah. were talking about Select-A-Seat not that long ago. That was their privately branded ticketing agency. Well, they used to be the city-owned corporation, which ran the Winnipeg Arena and Winnipeg Stadium back in the day, and that tax was a convenient way to drain money on the backs of the fans that attended events, in those, in those facilities for either general revenue for the city or a pool of money to maintain those facilities. Winnipeg Enterprises wound down operations in 2004 when the then MTS Centre, now Bell MTS Place, opened, but the entertainment tax remained. We are reaching out to each of the three facilities and teams mentioned by the city to find out what fees and t- tickets, uh, taxes, pardon me, are included in the ticket price. And on top of that... Potentially, because you see this across North America, many stadiums and arenas also charge a facility fee on top of the ticket fees that Ticketmaster may implement, any of these uh, civic taxes and other taxes along the way. Wow. Yeah,
0: the movie thing is, that, that makes me mad because if you go to the, if you go, you mentioned concert hall doesn't apply because they have fewer than 5,000 seats. So why does it apply to movie theaters yeah, have fewer interesting, fe- that have fewer seats in a concert hall?
2: Because I wonder if it in some ways is about looking at who is a corporation versus who is giving back to the city. Is there some sort of argument to be made about we're going after the big the big boxes, so to speak. Well, there's we another don't want to target the ones who are in our community putting money back into the community.
1: There is another layer to this that hopefully we'll get a chance to talk about later, and that has to do with performance arts groups uh, because that that tax was also, part of that was supposed to go back to entertainment and smaller arts groups. Well, that went away when they, when they changed the legislation about uh, 11, 12, 13 years mm. ago.
0: That's the the theme of this morning. I guess really, for the most part, is food. We're talking about food. We're talking sure. about other things we consume, like liquor, uh, with the the suggested uh, further privatization of liquor and all of these delivery services. The Skip the Dishes, Uber Eats, now DoorDash available in Winnipeg after the Restaurants Association, Restaurants and Food Services Association, suggesting to its members, "Hey, DoorDash is a viable alternative." to Skip the Dishes because there have been some complaints from some members about the service they're getting from Skip and the fees that they have to pay. Uh, there's a, there's another option as well. Uh, it's called Deliver Eats. I've never used that one, but I sometimes see their ads. Uh, I believe Pizza Hotline uh, is a big part of that. Uh, okay. But uh, they've only got a handful of restaurants, from what I could tell, in their restaurant. But, yeah, like I've used Skip the Dishes before. I've ordered Vietnamese food from Skip the Dishes. I mentioned pho earlier. It's it's spelled pho, but I learned it's actually pronounced "fa," and uh, that's delicious, a uh, big bowl of, of amazing soup. Uh, so that's kind of neat to have delivered to your home because I'm used to just pizza, chicken, Chinese food.
1: They're a virtual food court, right? You can yeah. go and, and you can uh, patronize several restaurants all at once if you've got a bunch of eaters. Last night I had to make two suppers. Alex wanted farmer sausage. Brendan doesn't like farmer sausage, so I had to make, I had to make fish. So I'm making fish, I'm making white fish, searing it in the pan and the fire alarm goes off. The fire, smoke detector goes off and we've got one of those uh, smoke detectors wired right to a panel. Well, guess what happens about three minutes later? The fire department shows up at our house. What? Yes. I guess they tried to speak to us through the panel and say, hey, is everything all right? I shut it down with my code. And there's two fire trucks on the front street. One guy with an ax. The whole kit and caboodle. I walk out. Are you guys coming here? Yeah, we're coming there. Uh, guys, everything's okay. I don't have enough fish for all of you. Uh, I'd invite you in for dinner, uh, but was just cooking up some fish and got a little smoky in the kitchen. You're not going to get a bill for that, are you? I don't know, Jackie. was saying, are we going to get a bill for that? I'll be watching the mail. (laughs) Oh my God.
0: Was (laughs) was the fish good? It was
1: good. (laughs) Uh,
0: but yeah, I used, um... Uber Eats as well. I get uh, order from a place called Magic Bird Fried Chicken on Uber Eats, and I know people who have ordered popcorn on Uber Eats. You can get Cineplex popcorn from the
1: VIP theater, right? Or others like yeah. any any theater? The, do they just go to the one, or I think they just go to the the closest? Okay, I believe
0: they just go to the closest location. Like we live in Saint Boniface, so uh, they they came from the Kildonan Place. It was expensive. I think it was a fifteen dollar purchase just oh, for a word. bag of popcorn. <laughs> But sometimes you want that, just that that movie popcorn. When I lived in Saint Vatel, I once uh, we were sitting at home getting ready to watch a movie, and we had no popcorn, we had no snacks, and we wanted movie popcorn. And I said, "I'll be right back," and I got in the car and I drove over to the movie theater and ordered two large bags of popcorn and said, "Thank you very much." And I walked out the door. What makes it taste so much better? I don't know, and I know that like I like the popcorn at Landmark, but Cineplex popcorn really is uh it's addictive. It's hard. I can't go to a movie now. I remember I, I think one movie I've been to in the last ten years, I didn't have popcorn because I was trying to save money and I was so grumpy the whole time. I just can't do it now. I've trained myself, I've conditioned myself If I'm going to a movie, there must be popcorn.
1: Do you worry that they've put a special secret ingredient in the popcorn that in the words of, was it, uh, so I married an axe murderer, Mike Myers' dad, that makes you crave it fortnightly? I don't know, I think there's just so much stuff
0: in it that already, like it's all the salt, and I guess whatever's in the butter all that stuff you just crave because it's bad for you, and I because I it's like a Pavlovian dog kind of thing where I go to the movie therefore there must be popcorn mm-hmm. like I can't you hear the bell, you salivate, you the go two to the go movies together. you salivate, so yeah, I just, I can't go to the movie and not have it. But maybe there is some secret ingredient. I don't know. I don't care because I love it. Give me more.
1: (laughs) I like it the next day, too. If you don't finish it off and you take it home with you, Oh, oh you, you maybe haven't experienced yeah, that. <laughs> yeah,
0: it doesn't last beyond the first 45 minutes of the film uh, because I'm I'm kind of a pig. I don't mind I, it the next day. Yeah, I, I I usually just get a regular popcorn. I had a large popcorn when I went to see Avengers <laughs> with the intention that it might sustain me for more than for most of the three hours because large popcorn is a lot of popcorn. But even that was gone within an hour. And then I just felt like crap for the next two hours.
1: Some great text messages coming in, including one from Neil, who's making me feel a little bit better about my tangent. Uh, the story I told about the fire truck showing up at my house yesterday. Yep. I don't even know how we got there, Brett. Same thing happened to me. Fire truck showed up. Not enough pizza for everyone, though. No, Bill. But that was in the RM of Springfield. Well, I'm holding out hope. We love the firefighters. Well, don't it's, we?
0: it's also great
1: that it took. You said three minutes. Both three minutes. Yeah. I was impressed. That is incredible response. <laughs> I'm opening the windows and I can hear these sirens coming in the background, and I'm going, "Are
2: they coming here?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've been talking all week long about wrongful convictions, uh, and there's so many layers to this because we've heard these kinds of stories over the years, and another. Manitoba case that goes way back is the story of Winnipegger Frank Ostrowski. So in 1987, Frank was convicted of murder. He was found guilty of ordering the fatal shooting of a drug dealer, largely based on the testimony of a key witness. So that witness was Matthew Lovelace. And in exchange for Matthew's testimony against Frank, Matthew had his own charges of cocaine possession stayed. At issue, Ostrowski and his lawyers were never told about that deal. So they couldn't challenge it in court. They couldn't say to the jury, why would this man be saying this? Because his own charges were dropped. The jury didn't know about it. So it was never even a factor in the jury's decision. So Frank spent 23 years behind bars, another nine on bail as he fought that conviction. Finally, last fall, the Court of Appeal ruled that he was denied important information that could have helped in his defense when he was first convicted. So the court didn't go all the way to offer Frank an acquittal. Instead, they stayed the charges, saying too much time had passed for it to make sense to order a new trial. Here's Frank. This with us this morning. You've been a free man since 2011? Yes. Do you wake up feeling like you're a free man? No. What hangs over you?
8: A uh, stay. I'm not guilty. And I can prove quite you mean simply the fact
2: that they stayed the proceedings, that yes, they didn't find you not guilty or acquit you of the charges.
8: They should have acquitted me. It has to be reasonable grounds to convict. They can't convict on we think he was involved, and that's that's exactly what they did. I'm trying to prove that there was a wrongful conviction, miscarriage of justice, and abuse of process, and Dangerfield allowed. Who's the
2: crown attorney at the time?
8: Yes, tainted evidence to be entered in as truthful evidence.
2: There's a couple of things I know you want to focus on, but what the court ruled was the information from an informant who uh, had passed on information about what he said you did in 1987 had also given that information in exchange to have his own charges dropped, and you didn't know that, and the jury never knew that. No. And so what difference do you think that would have made back then?
8: A big difference.
2: The time in prison when you finally were released... So many things would have changed. I think we met back in 2011 and bank cards and different vehicles and technology, a computer, all these things. Um,
8: It was cell phones at the time. (laughs) (laughs) Not cell phones, uh, pagers.
2: So the hardest part about adjusting to life outside of prison has been what? Uh,
8: Dealing with the fact that I have not been proven innocent when I know I'm innocent. And I want to prove I'm totally innocent not just a stay, a stay you're left hanging. My life hasn't been very easy. I had to like declare myself bankrupt because of uh, uh, the situation. And uh, because I have arthritis in my ankle, my knee, and my back and my hands, I can't cut hair anymore. I'm a hairstylist, I can't stand on my feet all day. And uh, with the, the stigma Of what has happened to me, everybody, let me see your resume. What resume? I'm in jail. What kind of resume do I have? Right? Oh, you've been in jail? You're a criminal? Oh, sorry. We can't hire you.
1: So you lead the life of someone who was convicted of a crime. Yep. Your resume, your... Your our document that that proves who we are in life, in terms of the working world, would indicate that you
8: are a man who was convicted of a crime.
2: No. Are you still fighting? How are you still fighting this fight?
8: Uh, my lawyers are still uh, putting paperwork together to uh, to submit to the crown and and some, and their intentions of uh, la- launching a, a civil lawsuit.
1: Frank, how do you reconcile? What's happened with, with Unger now to to see him receive an undisclosed payment from the government for his wrongful conviction? Is this something you're after? Are you looking for uh, recognition? Are you looking for financial uh,
8: compensation? What 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 would make things better for you? I want to clear my name. I want an apology, and I want compensation. Now, the only person that is apologized to me, was my former lawyer, Jeff Ginden. He apologized to me and says, Frank, I'm sorry, I didn't know. Uh,
2: Is it fair to say this consumes you? Yes, it does. I'm still angry. And how have you tried? I know you've been trying to fight to clear your name. How have you tried to move on, if that's even possible?
8: It's impossible to move on, you know? I have to clear my name.
2: He, in this story, is the name George Dangerfield. He was the Crown Prosecutor with Frank Ostrowski's case and several other wrongfully convicted Manitobans. There have been calls for a further review of the role Dangerfield played, and he was mentioned several times in the conversation with Frank and and is one of the key sources of his confusion and anger about the justice system and how this could have happened to him.
0: Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Thank you very much for joining us this morning on 680 CJOB. We are very excited for two reasons. One, we have donuts because our guest brought us donuts. And two, the more important reason is she is one of our favorite guests. Her name is Kelly Keene. She is a financial expert. She is an advocate. You have such a long title, Kelly, (laughs) that I always lose track. It's a consumer advocate for the Financial Planning Standards Council.
9: That is right, Brett, and they just rebranded to FP Canada,
0: so
1: I'm changing it all up. Oh my God, all. I finally committed it to memory. I know. He didn't even have that written down. (gasps) Oh my gosh. And now we're going to have to go in the (laughs) memory-making booth and and figure out how to commit that all to memory again. Kelly, um, ironic that you're here a, a day after a Canadian Uh, were scheduled and uh, supposed to have their taxes in. It's Mm -hmm. a a big deal for a lot of people.
9: It's a big deal for a lot of people, especially those that can't pay. And uh, there's a lot of self-employed people, a lot of gig economy people that maybe are sitting on not filing. They're not sure. So unfortunately, you missed it. If you're self-employed, you've got till June 15th, which actually falls on the 17th because of a weekend Mm -hmm. this weekend. But... The takeaway is don't be silent, especially with CRA. That's never a good place to be.
2: Um, yeah. Is there a way, and this, I, I was surprised this year I ended up having to pay. Um, we filed last month, and I haven't. that hasn't happened to me since I don't know how long. And uh. so I clearly haven't been paying attention to what I've been putting in and putting out uh, when it comes to this time of year, yeah. and I was surprised. And so I had just enough money to pay, but it, if it had been any more... Like, you know, I don't yeah. know how I would have managed that. And so my question is, I, not only do I think we um might leave it too late but I kind of just don't think about it until the last mm-hmm. second and then it hit me and so I'm wondering how I plan better next year who do I talk to like how do I get it set so I yeah. won't be suddenly like what yeah I owe like clearly clearly there's a way to figure that out
9: yeah and such a great question because this is the time of year everyone gets stressed out and then they forget about it mm-hmm. they just leave it till next year again so if you have a tax refund or like you you're paying and it's a surprise either way because remember a tax refund is not necessarily a fantastic thing this is not found money. This is not a windfall. This is your money being returned to you by the government without interest. So you might want to ask the question, why are you getting a refund? So first, let's address, yes, this is the perfect time to start looking forward. Um, should you have maybe gone into an RSP? Do you have unused RSP room? Maybe you don't have the money. Maybe a lot of listeners are like, yeah, I'd love that, but they don't have the money. There's RSP loans for that. So this is the perfect time to sit down. Who do you want to sit down with? Someone like a certified financial planner. Now, if you don't have money, it is hard to get the attention of someone to provide advice for you. Okay. If you're just starting out, maybe going to someone at your bank is good enough for you. You need to build a relationship with your bank. You need car loans and the RSP loan, all that type of stuff. Uh, But if you need that specialized service, then you want to consider someone called a not um, a fee only certified financial planner. now the 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 good news is these people do not represent products or services. They only they charge by the hour or charge by the plan. Uh, Canadians, unlike um, in the US, are re- they, we really shy away from paying for advice. Now you're paying for it anyway because there's commissions and fees and all that, Um, the industry's doing a better job at disclosing it, but you're paying, make no mistake about it. So there are key times in your life where getting a full blown financial plan from someone that has no interest in selling you anything might make sense, like buying a home. If your parents are going into a retirement home or are facing challenges, should you go into an RSP? Uh, do you have a pension at work that they're offering you to take into your own control? Major, major issues where it's not just so simple, like oh, I just want to you know throw it into an RSP. But but for you, um, maybe right now you start saving for next year. For the RSP that might
2: generate less tax or a you sound like AD. my husband right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, okay, all right, uh, yes, I know. No, but that's that's the hard part. You're like, you kind of know what you're supposed to be doing, and then we get all sweaty thinking about it. And I'm like, I'll worry about that, like well, if December. You, if you, <laughs> Kelly, maybe I'll
1: ask it ask it this way. If you know uh, potentially that you're setting yourself up, if Loren does nothing else, yeah. in terms of maybe adjusting the amount of tax that is taken off her paycheck because you can do that, right? You can request your employer to adjust that so at the end you don't end up with a bill. Is another strategy potentially to take some of that money and go, okay, if I buy an RSP with that money as opposed to having more taken off in tax, Mm -hmm. set aside a certain amount because what is the benefit of RSP? If I put... $5,000, Five thousand dollars, let's say, in an right. RSP between now and next April. What mm-hmm. is my tax benefit?
9: Okay, very good question. So, um, your tax benefit would be based on your marginal tax bracket. So, the higher your your provincial and your uh, and and your federal tax combined, you may not even know what that is. But the more you make, the more you're going to get back. A thousand
2: percent. That's what it feels like. Right. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Right. It's a lot. It feels like a lot, but go ahead. So
9: then the thing is, is that you're saving for yourself while you're putting that money away. It does get a little bit more complex. Um, You don't want to just invest to chase not paying tax because you're going to pay it eventually. Mm -hmm. You maybe should go into something like a TFSA, a tax-free savings account. I wish it were named something different. It is not an account. I don't know why the government named it. Think of your RSP like a garage. Mm -hmm. You still need to park cars in that garage. It's a tax shelter. You still put bonds, stocks, mutual funds, GICs, whatever in it. Um, You're
1: deferring the tax. You're
9: deferring. So if it goes in that garage, it grows tax deferred till you take it out and you get a tax deduction. Okay. if you go into a TFSA garage, you still have because we hear the banks all the time advertising a couple percent in your TFSA and people go, well, that's horrible. That must be a bad investment. It's another garage. When you put cars like stocks, bonds, mutual funds, GICs in that garage, they grow tax free forever. And when you take them out, you can take them out truly tax free, but no tax deduction. So here's where, you know, we don't want to complicate things, but you have to be aware of what you're going into because maybe some of your listeners are like, yeah, uh, they want that tax deduction and they're chasing it, but they're also saving up for their first home or they have high interest rate credit card debt or things of that sort. That's where it kind of becomes, a depends if you should put it in. Um, We were talking about the tax refund. Some strategies, if you're sitting down with a planner, might be, especially if you have a decent tax bracket, like a higher tax bracket, is you throw it in the RSP, take that tax refund to go pay down on the high interest rate debt or what have you. So uh, you see there's a lot of components to Mm -hmm. it. Uh, That's where good advice is very important. But the the biggest takeaway is chunk it down into just one simple thing, like maybe calling up your bank or a planner.
2: But you don't take the tax... The tax refund and go, what did you buy? What did you already purchase? Oh, we'll get into that in a moment. <laughs> Donuts. I wanted to just throw, I'm like, I'm feeling really under the spotlight oh, there's here. there's another bus there's coming another. down. I'm going to throw Brett under the bus well, now. Uh, Brett's let, turn.
0: Let me join that parade. Greg, did you hear that a garage is, for putting cars inside.
2: Oh, thank you. How did Actually, I miss that? Guess
1: what? I heard it's a, a
2: financial
0: tool, so I'm not <laughs> oh, worried about putting you. my cars inside it. Uh. Kelly Keane is here. Kelly, what's your website, by the way? Kellykeane.com. So simple, and you can find her on social media. And we're going to continue the conversation with her in a moment and talk about the biggest financial fails awaiting you this spring after we check traffic and weather on 680 CJOB. Mackling McGarry McNabb, the website is kellykeen.com, another website, financialplanningforcanadians.ca. Kelly Keen is an award-winning author, personal finance educator, and consumer advocate for FP Canada, and she is here in studio, and Kelly, we're going to talk about the biggest financial fails awaiting you this spring, and I admit, on this first one, I am guilty as charged, <laughs> I don't know how many times, pre-spending your tax refund. Why is that a bad thing?
9: Well, because as I said before the break, this is not found money, and we are so peculiar when it comes to pots of money. Some people look at their RSP as a certain way, or they look at, you know, something else as, this is safe money, this is risky money, whatever. It's all your money. When you have it in your hands, it's all yours. Now, if you sat down with a planner that maybe um, got you to go into an RSP to get the tax deduction that got you your tax refund, uh, that maybe should be paying down on debt or going back into savings. So, by all means, have fun with your money. Set up proactive IAC Actually, have proactive accounts, so every time I log into my bank account, uh, into my online banking you can even name them with some banks so i've got a romance account so my husband and i always have money for whatever and i've got a travel account and things of this sort set the rules up to win it like regardless of these pots of money that you know maybe a bonus comes in you're like woohoo mm-hmm. <laughs> right it's like no no that should be part of whatever your plan is so whatever you're putting to savings percentage wise or to these fun accounts that's how all of your money should be allocated with a plan in mind. So, not to say you shouldn't be having fun with part of your tax refund or your money in general, but it should be part of an overall plan.
1: We were having a conversation yesterday about the idea of the government uh, doing our taxes for us. <laughs> <laughs> They're doing it in Europe and a bunch of different countries, and it doesn't work for anyone but everyone. But the idea that you know you have a T4 and maybe you have the GST uh, deduction, now the carbon tax in, in Manitoba and other uh provinces, your child tax credit, maybe you have four things and it's all government oriented and you don't have any supplemental income, gives you a basic tax return, boom, done. This whole idea of, of finding uh extra money and creating wealth for yourself doesn't apply to everyone everyone either. So I noticed that we have this one account that just seems to magically Grow money, I think Jackie set it up so that every time we spend a little bit of money it rounds up the mm-hmm. yeah. it rounds up the purchase. there are lots lots of different ways to trick yourself into making sure that that you are saving money yeah right?
9: that that is a great great thing to do, and then what you want to make sure that you do, Greg is hide that account from when you check your online banking because right. people do this with you know the roundups and all of that, and then they see this pot of money and they're like, oh wow, look there's some some more found money and then they blow it so um, and s- same for those that are listening that are self-employed, making sure you have that GST account every time you have money coming in that you're flipping it over. And also, same thing, hiding that. Uh, it's just these simple principles. This is the, the growing field of behavioral economics that traditional economics says we're rational. We we calculate every move that we make. We weigh the pros and cons. And behavioral economics is saying mm-mm, we're not rational at all. Especially when it
2: comes to matters of money. I'm kind of curious. You're saying all these things that it's like, if I own a business, I should know you know, how, how to do things properly. And I don't think that's the case. I have, we all yeah. have incomes coming in. We don't necessarily understand how to, how to best grow our money or to save it. In part, do you think the industry and I'm talking the accountants and the financial yeah. advisors and, and everything are doing a good enough job of selling that back to me? Because if my accountant's doing my taxes at mm-hmm. the end of the year, or I go just, just to an H and R block, should they not be saying, shouldn't it be almost culpable? Like, Hey, I've noticed that you've been doing this repeated pattern of the following for the past right. three years here's what I think you really should do. We won't have this problem anymore. And I don't know if I'm getting that feedback the way I think it should. It's, it's not as customer service oriented until a very finite time of year.
9: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's so reactive. It's always reactive. And I don't think I would be here if the financial industry were doing a great job at speaking clearly. I wouldn't have written as many books. I think that's, a, and I was in the financial industry and I thought I was speaking clearly and to people. And don't get me wrong, it's on me. It's yeah, my money. Absolutely. I should be
2: smarter. But if I am meeting with that person at least the one time, um, a year yeah. if there's a few lines on my return I feel like that it the there should be more advice coming back my way
9: to well, set me and, up for the following year. Absolutely, and I think this comes back to investing again. Like with your health, right? You go to the doctor. The reality is, is they have a couple of minutes to see you. It just is the reality in Canada. So I have found over the years, just because I value my health so much, I keep paying for more and more things with a personal trainer, with a nutritionist, with people who are going to see those those patterns for me and feed it back. I think it's it's prudent to consider hiring that that certified financial planner that's a fee only at key times in your life that is going to look for those trends and and see what's going on and be able to give you a diagnosis that isn't just reactive. That's like, hey, you know, and then also give you that roadmap of here's how to tackle your debt. Here's how to actually get ahead. And then here's how to have some fun as well. Like, how do you divvy up your money? And if you're in a couple, how do you have a conversation about it? If you've got a parent, how do you factor in? Do you have enough life insurance if you've got no money, but you've got tons of debt? Like, there's so much when it comes to your financial life these are really the only people that are going to be able to see all of those blind spots and then help you figure out if you kind of need the, the specialized service too.
1: Yeah, because if you go to uh, an organization, and I was relaying this to you off air, Kelly, a uh, great, wonderful organization, uh, corporation that's in, in the game to make money, But if I'm sitting down with them for a certain financial product and they have a vested interest for me to buy it, it's not necessarily independent advice I'm getting. I'm getting advice that they would like to give me that might work for me instead of reverse engineering, potentially. Not saying all operators are like this. And I'm speaking about an RESP that I purchased and I was shocked at the Mm -hmm. limited amount of interest that I got after three years, I was shocked. It was not what was sold to me, at least from my interpretation, for the risk that was involved. I might as well have just put the money in a savings account.
9: Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, right now in the industry, there is so little restricting titles of who can right now legally anyone in Canada outside the province of Quebec can call themselves a financial planner and in fact have no qualifications. The organization I'm with are fighting very hard about that. If you go to a bank, if you go to a closed shop, every you know, there's all these titles, financial advisor, wealth manager, what do those things mean? Oh, who's the salesperson? Who actually has your interest at heart? And Brett mentioned FinancialPlanningForCanadians.ca. That website is going to take you. There's articles and videos that are going to take you through questions to ask before you invest, how to shop around for someone, how to actually figure out what their title is, because it's incredibly confusing if you're sitting down with someone you think is going to do planning, but really all they're doing is trying to sell you a mutual fund or a life insurance policy. Um, that's really disappointing, disheartening, and then I think it. People get really Well, They don't on want that. to do it, and, and then they don't want to don't do want it. To they're go. like, "Yeah, you know, you, 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 that happened," and then you just step. So that's that's the worst possible thing that I fear for for Canadians is that they reach out and then they get the wrong help or they actually get scammed even.
2: And I think you touched on this briefly off the top, but one of our listeners just saying they are concerned. You have to have money to make money. Which might be true, but if you don't have any money to go to that person and say, help me out for this fee, the bank, was your suggestion? Like,
9: if you're just starting out, let's say, you know, $25 a month, every single dollar helps. So that that could just be the start, Is uh, just starting with your bank. Which you don't have to, t- I
2: mean, you are paying for, I guess, yeah. in
0: other ways. Kellykeen.com is the website. She is an award-winning author, personal finance educator, and consumer advocate for FP Canada, and we're always... So pleasantly, uh, pleasantly, that surprised to learn she's coming to Winnipeg. Thanks for coming to see us. We appreciate <laughs> Thanks it. Thanks, everyone. Kelly.